Hey, beautiful people, this is Kenny B. You already know it's your girl, love. And Melly Mel. And you are listening to Black, Black on, on the Prowl on 88.5 WCUG Cougar Radio. So today we're going to start our episode off talking about something that has happened this past month. We have lost a legend. Um, Chadwick Bozeman has unfortunately passed due to um, cancer this last month. And we're going to just start the episode off, just kind of remember his legacy. And uh, we're going to take a quick moment of silence to just, you know, respect him. And we're going to go ahead and do that now. Moving into today's show, we really um, just want to remember Chatwick and, you know, his legacy. Because I'll say for me personally, I don't like, you know, I think everybody has love for, you know, certain celebrities and, you know, people that they look up to and are very fond of that are in the public eye. Mm -hmm. But for me, this was just really hard to accept like it's still hard to accept i know man when you called me and said it i thought you was lying through your teeth she called she called me too as soon as you said i looked on google and showed enough all the news articles i said said to go look it up i said it happened it's true and what's so crazy is like when mel called me i don't even know like honestly mel i don't even know how you knew I would be that devastated because Mel called me and she literally goes, Lauren, I need you to stay calm. And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, I just need you to promise me that you're going to stay calm. And I was like, okay, why? Like, this is ridiculous. And she's like, Chadwick Bozeman died. And I was like, girl, stop playing. And I really thought she was joking. And as she was sitting there trying to tell me, my friend opened up her Instagram and that was the first thing that popped up. Mm-hmm. And I literally felt like somebody shot me in my chest. For a couple of days, that's all that what that's all that it was on Instagram was just Honestly. pictures of him. And it really Yeah. And like some people, some people what really amazed me was some people still took it as like a joke, but then some people were actually hurt by it. Like I was one of the people who were actually hurt by it. Especially like you guys weren't the only people that I called. I also called my aunt and I told her and I heard her tell my little cousin that is his number one superhero because sadly as it is he is one of like the only like black superheroes on television as it is Mm -hmm. right now and it's like that he was black panther for like two years straight for halloween and that was his favorite superhero so to hear him cry about it too it's like wow like this really did happen it really and i saw a lot of uh of the posts of like the kids um who had like the action figures out and they would be like paying respects to uh to you know black panther and have them in the middle and have everybody else around them. Have y'all seen those posts as well with a little picture yeah. of the kids? Yeah, I've seen they some kids kind of do kind of like funerals almost, mm-hmm. like with all of their like Avenger action yep. figures. Yep. And it's just, it's, I, I mean. What I feel like, I feel like when you see that, in a way, yes, it is paying respect, but I also feel as though I would have liked to see not the kids having a funeral, but still playing with that toy because he may be gone, but what he's done for us isn't. It's mm. still there and it's still going. It yeah, I mean. About, um, about uh, you know, film and, you know, TV is that 
it's almost like like an internal life to a certain it's extent. forever it's forever you know once it's out there you know so like all the movies that he's done that's like his legacy and they'll, they'll always exist you know so he'll always you know live on through through his work yeah i mean this i'm and it's almost still hard for me to talk about like i literally 10 o'clock at night i was calling my parents sobbing because i was like chat like chat with bozeman died and it's just it's amazing not just the impact that i'll say that he had like you know even on the three of us like the impact that he had on the black community as a whole because i think a lot of people don't understand like don't get me wrong you know i love black panther and black panther was monumental for Definitely. for us as a black people as black people for us as a black community that was monumental but i think a lot of people don't understand like he wasn't just black panther for us you know like mm. he he everything he did showed black people in a positive light like he wasn't just black panther he was jackie robinson he was james brown mm. he was third good marshall like he put those people he he brought those iconic black people to white hollywood and he showed white hollywood that you know like black people we've done things that are incredible we've done things that are important we're you know we're more than what they think we are yeah. and i just his legacy is to have that kind of legacy and to be taken from us as young as he was and everything that he's done like so far like outside of the movies like you have to think how tremendously it would like couch like how heartbreaking it is for him because did you see like the interviews and videos as to where he would go to speak with kids who did have cancer who were going mm -hmm. through something similar to him and for yeah. him not to share that with the world like I feel like I you you can't even imagine the thoughts that were going on in in his head when he had to sit there and speak to those kids I think that yeah. it's really moving in my opinion yeah. I think one of the main things that, you know, will help us to remember him for, like, cause let's be honest, Chadwick Boseman is generational. Even as young as he was, even as soon as he was taken from us, he will always be generational. Mm -hmm. He's going to impact people for decades to come. And I think one of the really important things that, I think his message to the world that he really tried to put out was, you know, we as a black community, we as a black people, we have to be unified. You know, we get mm -hmm. teared down by everybody else. We can't afford to tear each other down. Definitely. And I think, you know, sometimes within the black community, we have a tendency to tear down our own people. And I think he was one of those people who, he really tried to correct that through his art. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and even, um, you know, before he passed, um, I know, that, Lauren, you were talking a little bit about it, how, you know, they were trolling him on, on social media about, you know, like his weight loss and things like that. Because yeah. he was, you know, looking, um, you know, from Black Panther doing the movie, he was looking a lot different, you know, um, looking, you know, kind of sickly and things like that. And some folks, they were just dragging him, trolling him and such without, you know, you know, 
trying to see what was wrong, you know, because you never know what folks have going on in their own, you know, yeah. environment with, behind closed doors, you know, the things they don't let everybody in on. So that's one thing that is also important for us to do as a community, even outside of just this. It's like when you see somebody down, you know, try to see what's going on with them. Try to figure out what 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 you might not know because they might have things going on that are out of their control that they don't want everybody, you know, knowing. But when you see somebody down, you can't just, you know, step on their neck. You have to try to lift them up if you can. Yeah. I mean, I don't... I don't know the quote exactly, but I know that there is a quote somewhere along the lines of, you know, it's a lot easier to tear somebody down than it is to lift somebody up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I feel like oftentimes a lot, a lot, and I'll say a lot of us in the black community, because, you know, we all got our tendencies. A lot of times we all in the black community, we have a tendency to take that easy way out where it's easier to tear each other down than it is to take the time to lift each other up. It is. It is. Because even when you look at things like, uh, you know, in school when folks bully each other and stuff like that. And I, and I feel like, you know, no matter how old you get, everybody operates off the same childish, you know, um, principles. And like even in, you know, middle school and elementary school, you had a bully who's bullying everybody just because they themselves feel insecure about something. I feel like even, you know, adults do the same thing. It might not yeah. look the same, but adults go on Instagram, they talk about people, they shoot shots at people, and you know, I hate social media, I tell you the truth. Because um, <laughs> all people do on there is talk about each other and shoot each other down and make everybody feel bad about each other. It's really a terrible system. <laughs> it is. Um, and I feel like we got to get away from that. And like, you should use your platform, no matter how big or small, to to inspire people and to make people feel good about themselves and feel like they can do something rather than make them feel like they're never going to be nothing and they can't, you know? Yeah, I, we really we really need, especially with everything, you know, that's happened this past summer and everything that's going on in society right now, it is apparent more than ever that, you know, we as Black people, you know, regardless of who you pray to, who you vote for, what you believe, who you choose to spend your life with, like, because I know even during this summer, like, one of the big topics that I saw a lot was the fact that a lot of African-American people in the LGBTQ community feel like they have nowhere to turn to. Mm -hmm. Like outsiders. Yes. And it made me, and it made me feel some type of way just because, you know, it's, (sighs) trying to figure out how I'm going to say it, but it's almost kind of like that same scenario of, how some black women feel as far as I won't say the same scenario, but you know, how some black, it's like choosing between women's rights and black rights. Mm -hmm. Or it's it's like choosing between being the LGBTQ and being black when, you know, we're both. And honestly, like, I feel like in the black community, we don't show enough of our LGBTQ brothers and sisters enough love. We really don't. We really don't. It's like, I'm going to say it simply like this. You can't be Black Lives Matter if you don't count all of us. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. It is. At the end of the day, we're all Black. No matter who you pray to, who you vote for, who you choose to spend your life with, at the end of the day, we're all Black, and we're all fighting the same fight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one thing that I do... Um, 
and some folks they hate me for it. But I, I don't blame a lot of stuff on black people. Um, I feel like it's a condition that um, we have been, you know, kind of trained to act in, um, and kind of almost uh, was it um, psychological slavery to a certain extent. And when you look at you know the times when, when you know, our ancestors were enslaved the first thing that they would do is separate and break us down. Yeah. The separation between the people who, you know, the outside, um, the darker people who would work the fields and such. And then you had lighter, the lighter, um, lighter ones who would work inside the house. And, you know, Mm -hmm. they might be, you know, relatives to the family do through, uh, you know, rape and whatnot. And that created a separation right there. Mm -hmm. And then you have, over you know, years and years, more separations come into into play. And I feel like that's exactly what they want because if we're separated, then we can't get but too far. You know what I'm saying? Right, because it's like, it goes into the LGBTQ. It also can go in towards colorism. It can yeah. go towards, like, whether you're considered wealthy or poor based off of what you were. Because if you think about it, like, everything that originates, like, with Sunday Best, like, we... we I don't know if y'all know that, but like with Sunday Best, like we were, our ancestors were trained to like, you know, look proper just so white people can show other white people how good their slaves look compared to theirs. So now our Sunday Best has become how good we look compared to other people at church and stuff like that. And it even goes into what we wear today amongst our friends, like who looks better, who like, aka, I don't know, drip, like who has the better drip or whatever. Like that's how it, that's how it goes. And we yeah. ourselves even with that, because if a kid walks in with sketches and that's the only thing that his parents can afford, he's considered the outcast, while somebody who walks in with Jordans is considered so popular. And folks, need to stop sleeping on sketches now, because sketches is actually some comfort. Mm-hmm, they are. And you know what? I get compliments all the time on, like, my sandals, and everybody thinks that they're Chacos. Man, Chacos are, like, $100-something. Them things are sketchers, and I pay, like, $40 for them, and they look the exact same. <laughs> Honestly, I'll be walking around with shoes and I, I, I don't be can, honestly. As long as it's on my feet and I'm not walking on just the bed flow, then yeah. I'm all right. But I'll even say, like, you know, going back to, like, the point you made about colorism, I think I had this conversation with my mom and I was telling her, I was like, you know, white people are so uncomfortable talking about racism. Mm-hmm. Like, they like to avoid it. They don't like talking about racism because it's uncomfortable for them. It's uncomfortable to acknowledge that history within themselves. I feel like colorism is like that for the black community. It is. Where we are, we are uncomfortable having the colorism um, conversation because it, a lot of black people don't want to admit, you know, there is that separation between light skin and dark skin where, you know, light-skinned men are looked at a certain way versus dark-skinned men and light women are light-skinned women are looked at a certain way more than dark-skinned women even you know even in film mm-hmm. like i mean take, like take back looking back at you know chadwick boseman and his legacy and black panther black panther is one of in all honesty in my recollection one of very few black movies that doesn't take that light skin approach. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they need to put the light. And don't get me wrong, I'm not hating on my light skin brothers and sisters. I'm not hating on you. Mm-hmm. But there is, but 
it does need to be addressed the fact that there is more light skin representation than there is dark skin. Because you can go down the list of light skin representation, but when you think of dark skin representation, a lot of people just throw out Lupita and think that that's, she's the poster child for dark skin people. We had this conversation before on this show and it's still relevant. Mm -hmm. Not like it disappeared. (laughs) Colorism did not disappear. I'm sorry. It's just like, (laughs) When, pe- when people think they had that conversation one time, it's not an issue anymore. It- it- it's still very relevant. <laughs> yeah. It's like, even when you think about it, like, with everything that went on this summer, they think that, I'm, like, like, I'm going to say it again, it's like, Black Lives Matter isn't a trend. Mm-hmm. Just because you have the conversation and you do the thing one time, doesn't mean it ended, doesn't mean it's over. It's still there and very relevant. Yeah, we just, we just need to do better. Mm-hmm. We need to love on each other more. Like, we, need, we need to, you know, we need to be able to accept and even appreciate our differences. I think, you know, even in the Black community, a lot of Black people have to understand not every Black person is the same. Mm-hmm. Not every Black person likes the same stuff that other Black people like, you know? And there's, like, we have to be able to accept the differences within each other. But at the end of the day, we all Black. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and, uh, uh, Whether like, you like hip-hop or country, at the end of the day, you still Black. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. And I feel like that's the, that part of the problem is um, that people call themselves... It's a lot of people who would just swear up and down, they're so open-minded, but as soon as somebody has a opinion that's opposite of them, they close well, up. Why? Well, why do you think that? Mm-hmm. Like, and so, and there's nothing wrong with having not, a conversation. It's not wrong with the conversation, but it's wrong when you stop somebody from giving, like, allowing them to give their full opinion. Yeah. Because I think it's important to, you know, like we say all the time on the, on, on the show, communication is key. But I feel like a lot of people, if they believe one thing and they're set in it, when they hear another belief, they aren't open to discuss that, d- discuss with that person and understand where they're coming from. They just know what they know and that's it and that's all. And I feel like that's one other reason that we can't, you know, get too much further is because if you run into another black person who might believe something different from you, whether it's, you know, um, from a sexual sexuality standpoint or from a religious standpoint, or from a political standpoint, you, you you just close up and you don't want to hear anything they have to say because everything they have to say is just apparently wrong, you know? And we got to get rid of that mentality because if unless we open up and can have, you know, conversations with people who may have different beliefs and different thoughts, then we're not going to be able to bridge that gap as far as, you know, uniting and uh, being, having unity among ourselves as, you know, a race of people, you know? And it's also, it's like, do you not realize that our ancestors fought so we can have our own opinions? Because like them, they were their voices were closed. Their voices were shut down. They weren't allowed to have their own opinions. They weren't allowed to do many things. And right now we're at the point where we can have our own opinions. We can stray from the status quo and stuff like that. Yeah. So you can't be so, you can't be a stickler to be like, this is exactly how we have to be when we fought so long so we don't have so we don't have to hear anybody tell us this is how we have to mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, just with everything that's been going on and now losing Chadwick, like, it, like in all honesty, I, I think his... Not saying that his legacy is not... <laughs> It's like, I can't even talk about him without, like, trying to struggle, trying to figure out, you know, how I want to articulate myself. But his death almost taught me more, I think, about myself than, you know, when he was alive. Mm -hmm. You know, they always say you listen more when somebody's gone than you do when they're here. Mm -hmm. And I think his legacy has really taught us that, you know, we have to unify and we have to keep going. We have to continue the work that he didn't get to finish. Right. You know, he walked so we can run. Mm-hmm. And we we just can't let his legacy, we have to keep it going, you know? We just, we have to continue the work that, you know, he did for us as a Black community. And trying to unify us and trying to make sure that, you know, we all felt equal and we all felt accepted and we all felt heard and we all felt, you know, seen. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting, too, because uh, one thing that I've been seeing a lot and even looking at some uh, articles now, um, you know, Black Panther 2 uh, was supposed to, you know, was in production, supposed to come out uh, 2022. And right now, you know, it's kind of like a... Disney and uh, Marvel is in a bind as far as how they want to proceed with that movie. And a cut lot it. of people... Um, cut it. You say cut it? Cut it. I don't want to... I don't... I... The only, the only way I would ever want to see that movie is if they kill his character and, and they give the throne to his sister. That's, that's the only way I want to see it. I've been saying a lot of that. Because y'all, y'all know me. I'm, I'm a really big Marvel fan. So... Like, y'all know me. I'm a big Marvel fan. Like, yeah. I got the encyclopedia. I'm a big Marvel fan. Mm. And I'm telling you, and I'm telling both of y'all, but I'm sitting here and I am telling the people who are listening to this, if Disney and Marvel make the decision to recast that part, I will not give them another cent out of my pocket. And I'm being dead serious. I feel like there will be a lot of backlash if they do um, recast it. Um, it'll also- be like... It'll be like a um like Aunt Viv and uh the Fresh Prince and just it's some new person and you're like, What what is happening? Just you know shows up. Just shows up and ever and that alone already has not done well with shows such as, you know, for the Fresh Prince. When that happened with that with that show, the show had like a couple more seasons and that was it because a lot of folks like, What is going on? you know. So I feel like um in the past that hasn't worked well with audiences. So I highly doubt they would just, you know, recast it. Um, they're definitely going to do, I mean, like, they already spent money, so I know they're going to finish doing Well, they the haven't started game. production. Even though they haven't started, you know, money goes into it long before. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I know if they had actually, you know, started rolling cameras, they would have really been in the bind then. Um, and it'd be a lot more interesting to see what they do at, at that point. But honestly, technology's so crazy, they could still really make it and he could be in it, honestly. No. Technology do got crazy. They, gonna, they, they might try it. Nope. Um, I won't I promise you Marvel won't get another cent out of my pocket. But, um, I, I, I promise do think you. that his sister like taking the throne, that would be a great, you know In some ways I kind of feel like Marvel kind of knew because the way that they just ended the last movie with Captain America giving 
mm-hmm. Hawkeye, his shield has to become Falcon. the Falcon. Yeah, sorry, thank you, Falcon. The new um to give him to give him Captain America's shield. I feel like that's setting up for him to be a new major superhero within the show, mm-hmm. within the, movies, the series. Well, so, and then because I'm pretty sure you know you know Marvel does all their movies in phases. Mm-hmm. So the last phase was, you know, wrapping up Iron Man and Thor and Captain America stories. So this phase was really supposed to be really heavily about, you know, wrapping up Spider-Man and his trilogy, wrapping up Ant-Man and his trilogy, you know, finishing up Black Panther. Black Panther was supposed to have another two movies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, giving Black Widow her spotlight, which I mean... I'm sorry, no spoiler alerts, but if you've seen Endgame, kind of seems pointless at this point. <laughs> and, you know, giving, I think Falcon, Falcon was supposed to be getting his own stuff with Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. So they do all these things, you know, with the intent of this is, like, they do their stuff in phases with the intent of, okay, we're going to give him another movie, and then in two years they're going to release the final movie, and it, it's just thrown off a lot of stuff for them. Yeah. But I mean, I I read, um, you know, Ryan Coogler, the um, director of Black Panther, who if you don't know Ryan Coogler, he's also done, you know, Fruitvale Station. Mm-hmm. He's done a lot of amazing work. And I read his statement regarding Chadwick and his death. And it was just, it made me have such a deeper respect for him, not even so much like I res- I obviously, you know, I respect him as an actor and I respect his work, but just to understand the lengths that he went to, like during production, while also being sick and nobody knowing, like, you know, he got the part and he went to every other audition for all the other characters and sitting there and, you know, talking to the director and understanding and, like, telling the director, you know, we can always do better. We can always do better. Like, there's one part in his statement where he says, while filming the movie, we would meet at the office or at my rental home in Atlanta to discuss lines in different ways to add depth to each scene. We talked costumes, military practices, he said to me, "Will Condens have to dance during the coronations? If they just stand there with spears, what separates them from Romans? In earlier drafts of the script, Eric Killmonger's character would ask T'Challa to be buried in Wakanda. Chad challenged that and asked, what if Killmonger asked to be buried somewhere else? And that part like of his whole statement, that part just really hit me hard because that's one of the most pivotal and iconic moments of that whole movie. Mm. is when Killmonger says, just bury me in the ocean with my ancestors who jumped from ships because they knew death was better than bondage. Yep. And to know that he, pay, he played a, such a key part in that coming to life is just like, this is just a terrible loss for the Black community. Yes. It, it really, to know that we lost somebody who, you know, he didn't just make that film like to know that he wasn't just the actor who he's just reading lines and to know that he cared that much about the product that we as audience members were getting. He shaped it. Right. Like, you know, other actors are just like, I'm just going to do what my director tells me to do. 
but to know that he cared that deeply about you know his fans and the young children the young black kids who were going to see this movie and to know that he cared that much and that deeply it's just yep. and like you said um you know representation matters so much because especially for like you said the young people um the the, the children who you know were able to look at the movie and you know have a black figure to look up to in that light because of course you know the history books teach you about so many civil rights leaders that we've had and everything like that but for you know young kids they're not really thinking about that kind of stuff um you know at that age at least but they're looking at superhero movies and they're playing with action figures so when you show this to you know that little black boy and a little black girl and they can see you know kings and queens that are you know dark like them and they can see you know a thriving country that's full of people like them and a superhero who's out here kicking butt that looks like them. It means so much to see that at such a young age, and it sets you up for such a uh, a moment of confidence. Uh, it's a life of confidence, really. Um, step in with, you know, a, a lot more knowledge and a lot more pride in yourself. For sure. Uh, I think it literally, if there's anything that we can take away, you know, from Chadwick Bozeman and the legacy that he left for us to cherish just you know we all need to be unified we all need to uplift each other in this black community we all Mm -hmm. we and you know what we all need to be represented not just light-skinned black people but dark-skinned black people Mm -hmm. not just straight black people but gay lesbian queer whatever you are black people we all need to be represented. We all need to be included. We all need to, you know, appreciate each other because, you know, if we don't appreciate each other, who's going to? Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's the thing because at the end of the day, it, it, the buck stops at us. You know, is what are we going to do as a community to move forward? And like you said, right now we're in a, a crazy times, everything going on with the movement, and we have so much separation already, you know, with social distancing and such due to this virus that we, we have to come together at some point. And we, when we do come together, we got to be able to actually get together in, in a united front, you know, so that we can move forward as a community as a whole. Because all the arguing and all the separation not going to change nobody. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, everybody's still going to do what they want to do. Um, everybody's still going to be who they are. So you have to just unite with that, you know, common goal of moving forward as a, you know, racial unit. And I think that's the most important thing that we can do right now is, uh, you know, people of color and African-Americans is try to move forward as, you know, a united race and show that united front. Because if, if the foundation is all broken up, then the house won't stand, you know. So if yeah. we can't get a strong foundation of unity, then we can't build nothing on top of it. We can't build nothing on top of it, y'all. Yeah, we if we don't love each other, we can't expect other people to learn to love us. Mm-hmm. Or at That's least accept truth. us. If we can't accept each other, how can we expect others to accept us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, that's, and folks get mad. You know, they get mad when they say, um, when folks talk about, like, you know, when they have the police brutality and police killing black people, and then folks come with the counter-argument of, you know, black people kill black people too. And the thing with that is... Um, I understand that it's not the same as, you know, police brutality, but that shouldn't be an argument because we shouldn't be killing each other. I mean, I understand that 
that's not, you know, the point of everything going on right now. But we can't say Black Lives Matter if they don't matter within our own community. All black, like like you said, all Black Lives have to matter to us. So all the the hate crimes and you know gang violence and all that kind of stuff. That's another just another platform of separation that puts the entire race at a you know worse position. So all in all, you know, we just got to really love, like you said, we got to love each other because that's the only way we're going to get forward. Um, gotta, we need to manifest this energy. But as we do that, we also got to take the steps encouraging that. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, like one of our other great black legends said, Michael Jackson, you got to start with the man in the mirror. Mm-hmm. You can't expect other people to do something for you. We can't expect people. We can't expect other people to enact change in our community we need to do that for ourselves and you know it starts with us as individuals it starts with us with this show you know we we're not just inclusive to one type of black person this show is for all it's for all black people you know and i i think we do a pretty decent job of you know we don't care who you are, where you come from. Definitely. At the end of the day, in the eyes of Black on the Prowl, you are accepted. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah, all in all, y'all, let me say, you just make sure you're going into, you're walking with love for, you know, one another, and you're really, you know, walking with love and open arms, and you are really accepting folks in to, you know, your... Uh, our community, because that's the only way we can get forward is with love and with peace, at least within our uh, own community. So, yeah, I'm peace, love, and soul. Peace, love, <laughs> and soul. Um, because we, it, it's really the truth. Like here at Black on the Proud, we love every one of you. So you have to love each other as well. Um, yes, but to wrap up this episode we do also want to you know just take a quick second today is 9-11 and we want to take a quick second and you know tell all of our first responders black yellow purple and otherwise you know thank you for your services because you know that those ain't easy jobs mm-hmm. you know putting your life on the line for other people and especially you know 9-11 for us was so long ago, mm-hmm. but for a lot of people, you know, it still hits home. Yeah. They lost a lot of loved ones and a lot of and people that, you know, meant a lot to them. So we do, you know, want to say that our thoughts and prayers are with all the families who were affected by 9-11. And, you know, we do thank our first responders for, you know, just looking out and making sure that we're okay. And, you know, putting your lives on the line. For us. Contribution. Mm-hmm. So yes, we appreciate you. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, and we appreciate everybody for listening to this episode of Black on the Prowl. Um, and like we said, walk with peace and love and tune in next week. Yes. Bye y'all. Bye. Black on the Prowl was produced with the cooperation of the student staff of 88.5 WCUG Cougar Radio and the CSU Department of Communications Department Chair, Dr. Gibson. 
Dr. Bruce Getz is WCUG's faculty advisor. You can listen to this show and other shows on 88.5 FM, TuneIn, or SoundCloud. Just search our call letters WCUG.